for joining me on the next episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today I chat with wife, mother, former English teacher, author, speaker, and podcaster of Living a Legacy podcast and hospitality guru, Sue Donaldson. And today, Sue, in her infinite wisdom, shares the uniqueness and value of mentorship. We discuss reaching across multiple generations as well as emulating Jesus through a neglected art in our culture, and that is hospitality. Take a listen. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Sue, so much. Great to be here. Sue Donaldson, all the way from California. So I'm I'm assuming yes. sunny California, or are you more north where you get some snow? We are on the coast, so no snow. It's halfway up the state, <sighs> San Luis Obispo, and we're getting terrible rains right now, but uh, we love it because we need rain. Yeah, I would take rain over snow any day, but that's okay. You are a wife, a mom of three. You're an empty nester. Former English teacher, you are now a blogger, a podcaster of the At Welcome Heart, living a legacy life. I'm sorry, I couldn't read my notes there. And you are also the author of several books, Say Something Special, Lessons from the Ultimate Host, to Come to My Table, Table Mentoring, and so much more. You are just a wealth of information, and so we're excited to have you here. And Today, I really wanted to talk about just that uniqueness of mentorship. I know that you are incredibly passionate, really about hospitality. And maybe you could agree, do you feel that hospitality is a lost art in our world today? I think it has been, yes. And uh, even though I'm not from the South, I think the South is known for their hospitality. Mm -hmm. But also they might get confused with the fact that hospitality is not the same as entertaining. And I grew up with a hospitable, yeah, totally different. I have all sorts of uh, workshops on that because I think people get, they stumble over themselves or they stumble over their expectations uh, that their mother had or Martha Stewart or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think mentoring has everything to do with hospitality because we often do mentoring at our table. Now, when you say mentoring, I think that is something that is talked a lot about, especially in the church, but not necessarily practiced. And mm-hmm. would you say that mentorship and discipleship are similar or are they completely different? Oh, they're totally similar, but they are they have their differences. I was thinking about that question. Because discipleship is what we called mentoring back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was discipled, let's say it put it that way, when I was in college and in my 20s. And then it floated over into a more modern contemporary word is mentorship. I would say mentorship is a broader umbrella. Sometimes uh, women uh, or gentlemen also just need someone to come alongside of them. That's why my book is called Table Mentoring, A Simple Guide to Coming Alongside. So it could be someone that you just meet with once a month just to encourage you in your struggles. Mm-hmm. Whereas discipleship, discipleship seems a little bit more intentional as far as uh, you want to start memorizing scripture 
or you're trying to work through an addiction or something like that. But really, you could use them interchangeably. So discipleship, I would say, maybe is more along the lines of you come to Christ and you need that disciple maker to kind of get you on that right track of, like you said, memorizing scripture or prayer. But then the mentoring is more broad where it's like, say, vocationally, I need someone to come alongside me and help me with the vocation that I am choosing, uh, or maybe a mentorship when it comes to mothering. So it's more generalized. Would that make, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't think we really need to get stuck in defining either one. Mm -hmm. Uh, God, God expects us to grow up in him and not stay uh, stagnant. And the best way to do that is to have someone alongside who's maybe just a few steps in front of you. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Now, before we get into why you're really passionate and why you kind of went down this road, I mean, who is Sue? What is kind of your testimony? How did you come to Christ? Hmm. I was raised in a Christian home in Southern California. And uh, so I was raised knowing Jesus, was baptized young and quite involved with my youth group, etc. And then I went to a Christian college and I loved it. But about my second year, I woke up one day and I thought, maybe this is just not true. And so Mm -hmm. I went through uh, quite a heavy-duty doubting time, which I didn't really want to tell anybody about, because the more I talked about it, then uh, it seemed more tangible. And I felt, like, misplaced. I never actually told my parents. They still don't know, though they're in heaven, so they don't care. But (laughs) I was so surprised. It had nothing to do with the school. I think it was something God wanted me to uh, go through. One reason is because, um, well, the things I learned through it, but also when I came back around, I realized this was my faith, not just because I was raised that way. And I ended up teaching in a Christian school, and I told my testimony because these students had been in Christian environments since their preschool, and I wanted them to feel free to ask questions. One of the best things that helped me during my doubting period was a professor said to me, Sue, if God is not big enough for our questions, then he's not a big enough God, is he? And he has no recollection of that conversation. Oh, wow. I've repeated that to him since then. And because he still mentors me from afar. And um, I said, oh, that made all the difference. Because, of course, God can handle our questions. There are questions all through Scripture that uh, his people posted. And he is not afraid of our questions. So through that testimony, then I realized I wanted to give my whole life to God. And he has been merciful to lead me all the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. And then really what, I mean, you're, you're, you're a former English teacher. So what kind of led you to go down that path of hospitality and mentorship and really helping people understand those areas and writing books and blogs? Oh, there's just so many reasons. But one was that I was single till I was 35 and I would get lonely. And so I would have parties. I would invite people. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, it was kind of a selfish, self-serving sanctification is what I call it, mm-hmm. because you end up getting blessed, but other people need to be around uh, in a community as well. And so um, I, I gave my life to the Lord at 15. And then when I was in college, I thought, well, I want to do full-time service, whatever that means. And so I became an English teacher for a missionary organization, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I taught school in Brazil and I just loved their mission, so I just wanted to keep working for him. And then when I got married, finally, to my mother's uh, happiness, at 35, and had children, 
I realized that moms of young children are some of the loneliest people on, on the planet. Yeah. And so uh, I started inviting people over and then I started talking about it and teaching on it because I was, I was, I was finding Rachel that people don't do it. They don't do hospitality mm-hmm. for all kinds of reasons. And yeah. some of the top reasons are they, it was not modeled in their home. So how do they change that? Or they don't have time because they're working full time or their husband doesn't like hospitality. So how do they do it? I mean, I have 17 reasons that I list when I talk about it and they're all legit, but also not. You mm-hmm. can also ask to help you get over them. Now, it's just it seems, though, that hospitality and mentorship has changed over the years because it seems that hospitality used to be a big deal maybe 100 years ago, including mentorships. But what changed over the years? Well, I, I can just speak from my own experience. I think that uh, because my mom was hospitable and not an entertainer, I learned that it doesn't have to, you don't have to put on the dog, so to speak. What you do is you, 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 make the, you offer the invitation to other people into your home based on the fact that God invited you to his table. So all we're, what hospitality is is just basically passing on God's invitation at your table to someone mm-hmm. else. And, and often people don't really, I, I've had people not accept my invitation and I just have to get over that mm. because, because people ignore God's invitation every day. So I'm in good yeah. company, right? No, that's and true. also sometimes people don't say yes and I'm relieved because I'm too busy. Or I'm <laughs> and they just, they just want the invitation to know that they're included at the Donaldson house on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. We started in, my husband's a medical doctor and so we couldn't get away at Christmas. And that would make me kind of you know, upset and lonely. And um, I felt like my kids were not getting the family situation like I was raised with the big family at Christmas. And so about, I don't know, 15 years ago, I started um, finding other families who didn't have uh, extended family in the area. And we, we have now been inviting up to you know, 50 people on Christmas Eve after the service for a soup and bread potluck and mm. people need to be invited. They, you know, single people, they go home alone after the Christmas Eve service if they can't be with family. Right. And so we had, we had 30 this year. I mean, we had to not quite have such big ones during COVID. So we're working our way back up. But the idea is that it's easy because I just make three soups and I have like six crock pots mm-hmm. and other people like to bring soup and we do a birthday party for Jesus, things like that. To gather around the table for the sake of someone who doesn't know. We have a gal who comes every year who's single, who doesn't go to church. She's not a believer. And she was our daughter's fifth grade teacher. And she comes every year. That's her place to come. And she brings homemade rolls. So really, it's such a blessing to open your home because you're meeting the needs in someone else's life. Well, I think, too, with those of us that that maybe have families and we're so busy we forget about the people that are lonely and that don't have someone i remember when i was working for the church and we would have christmas on sundays and people would be like why are we having christmas service on sundays but then when i would go to church i would see the single people the people that didn't have families and that's when you realized oh that's why we hold services on sundays is for those that just don't have anywhere to go now what led you to desire generations to kind of cross with each other in your mentor in mentorship relationships? 
Well, when I was in high school, the deacon board assigned <laughs> a godly woman to mentor me. They called it discipling at that point because I, was, I went on a missions trip at 15. And so Mrs. Clapp, that was her name, she would pray for me and meet with me. And then when I was in my 20s, Jean Garrison, also in Glory Now, said, would you like to start meeting with me? And I said, absolutely. Um, I was new to my job. I was new to the area. I was new to the church. And she just took, she saw something in me, which is, I'm not sure how or what, but she started inviting me over like once a month. And, um, and also I started inviting older women over because I thought they were cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in my 20s. These were women who were married. They, they spoke from the hip. They loved Jesus. They had so much to offer. So I started inviting them over. And by the time I left that church area, because I was going to the mission field, it was four years later, I had like six older women who would, uh, if I would call them and say, hey, um, can we do lunch? They would even pay for it, which was nice. <laughs> and, um, and it was such a blessing. And so then when I went to Brazil, I had to start all over again. And so I started inviting um, older women to my home as well. And now I am the older woman, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. 70. And I am, I have, uh, well, I call them wine nights. People come over and we talk and we do conversation starters and we don't necessarily drink wine, but that's a way to get people over who don't want to come to church, but they'll come and sit around the table. Mm -hmm. And I um, do, and then, and then we get to know, and then they start walking with me and then we can share the Lord. And often they're like mops. You know, I don't know if you have mops there, wherever you we are. We do, but, yes. Um, mothers of preschoolers, these moms come out because they want to be around older women and hear our experience, imperfect as it is. Yeah. And uh, it just encourages them to trust the Lord and to raise their children the way that they need to. And it's good because it's biblical. In the New Testament, we see that older women help raise up yep. the younger generation. And there's a we need that. And there is a huge neglect of that. And when it comes to living a life of victory, being an overcomer, outside of the loneliness, why do you think having that mentor is important? I, For me personally, I have a mentor. I've had her um, 25 years because we've lived in this town for 35 years. And one day I called her and I asked her to explain some scripture passage because I was a Bible teacher and I just didn't trust my own interpretation and I wanted her um, help. So she came over with all those, con- all these concordances, you know, we used to have books, we didn't have Google. And she brought all these books over. I go, you know what, we're a good team. She loved to study and she shared these things with me. And from then on, she has, she, uh, we're meeting next Tuesday. So it's been many, many years. We don't meet every week or even every month. Mm-hmm. But um, now I can't remember your question. Oh, <laughs> No, that's okay. I, I was asking outside of loneliness because we talked about being hospitable oh, yeah. and having mentorship and loneliness. Why yeah. else would a mentorship be important? Yeah, well, you'll see this in my book. And if you, if anyone wants the book, what what they what you'll get is a um, a list of ten worksheets that help you know what to do when you meet with a mentor. I have found that I need a mentor to spur me on in my spiritual growth and to pray for my children. And if I'm supposed, like Lori, my mentor hardly ever tells me what to do, but when she does, I listen. You listen. And um, like, I'm trying to write another book. I thought I don't really want to. She goes, Sue, you need to start writing just three hours a week. Well, that sounded so easy, but you know what? It's hard, Mm -hmm. but I have her little voice in my head and it's someone to be accountable to when you say, Hey, I want to grow up in Christ. Uh, One of the worksheets is is, uh, marks of a mature believer. 
well, I can't reach those by myself. And you're not supposed to rely on your husband for every single thing. Mm -hmm. And women like to talk more anyway. So um, it's just been such a blessing for me to spur me on to my spiritual. If I say, you know what? She even told me a few years ago, Sue, we need to start memorizing swaths of scripture, not just one verse. So we picked, like, I, I find I can't memorize over 17 verses. So we pick a section, and then we, we know we're accountable to each other. So it's not just loneliness. It's definitely about spiritual growth. And don't try to do this on your own. And Rachel, let me tell you, women our age, or my age, excuse me, I don't know how old you are, um, are afraid <laughs> of mentoring. They're afraid of mentoring because you know what they say? Oh, well, I'm not a very good Christian, or I don't have my quiet time on a regular basis, or I would never memorize any scripture. Therefore, I cannot mentor. Mm. And so um, that's why I give workshops on that as well and retreat series, because women need to know that the most important thing they can do to be a mentor is to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And when he gives you something, it spills over onto someone else. Someone I heard someone say this years ago that ministry is spillage. So Rachel, all you and I have to do is fill ourselves up, like it says in Ephesians three, uh, to be filled up to all the fullness of God, to pray that on a daily basis. And then the next person you bump into, what will spill out? What you found in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned something, and that was why older women don't want to mentor. But mm -hmm. something you didn't mention is, and what I've come across. I think there are some older women that feel that they're too old to mentor, that somebody younger than hmm. them will not want to learn from them. Is that anything that you've run into? No, because our church is cross-generational, and we have wonderful older women um, who are willing to come over. And uh, what I do is I have lots of copies, and so that's part of hospitality. So I like it that you sort of mixed up this topic together. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll invite the older with the younger and one of the olders who's older than I am. And she said, she said to me once after a coffee, Sue, thank you for including the younger women because I learned so much from them mm. <laughs> Yeah, and she gets joy. And then they of course love sitting at her feet because she's so wise. And so we really do a service when we collect people of different generations mm -hmm. at our tables and um, if a younger person doesn't want to listen to you, then they're not your person. You don't need to sweat about it. You just mm -hmm. go, oh, uh, you know, that person wanted to meet with me one time. And after that, that's fine. Because I don't have time to mess around with people who don't want to hear what God has told me to say. You know, we when I, one thing I talk about in my book is that we don't match with every single person. Mm -hmm. You know, God has made us so unique. I mean, after this conversation, we may never talk together again in our lives. We just don't know, Rachel. Mm -hmm. But God knows. God mm -hmm. knows who needs your particular brand of personality. And I've had uh, women say, Sue, will you mentor me? And I'll say right away, let's just meet one time and see what you want from this relationship. And maybe we just met that one time. She was struggling in her marriage. I gave her some counsel. We prayed about it. And then we just check in with each other every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So what makes a good mentor? Say, I want to be... I want to be a mentor. What mm -hmm. would make me a good mentor? Well, number one is what I already mentioned, that you sit at Jesus' feet. You know, mm -hmm. there's that wonderful passage, Mary and Martha. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus says to uh, Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing. Well, in the Amplified, it says, Mary has cho chosen that which has been to her advantage. So as long as we seek God first, we are, have the advantage. 
You know, we may not be um, the best cook or the best wife or the best whatever at something that people are looking for. But if we are seeking God first, that makes you a good mentor. Mm -hmm. Another thing that makes you a good mentor is asking questions, finding out where are they? What did that's one of the first worksheets, actually, that I think I'm giving away some worksheets today to your audience. But one of the first worksheets is what to do on the first time you meet. And you ask, what do you want out of this mentoring relationship? Um, I started that with a person who wanted to be mentored. And when I found out what she wanted, I thought right away, well, this is not going to be something that I can help her with in the long run. So we only met for three months. And then I passed her on to someone else who was perfect for her. So you ask questions and you say, what do you hope to get out of our mentoring relationship? And um, will this be a challenge to you to make a commitment to, to meet regularly, regularly? Because I've had younger people say, oh, you know, they start really strong and then they show up late. And I can't do that because I'm with them. You know, I have small children or something like that. And then you ask them this, do I have your permission to keep you accountable to what you want to grow in? Hmm. And this is a great question, too. What do you what could you use most for me? Cheerleading? You know, sometimes they just need a cheerleading. They need a listener. Do they need prayer? Do they need accountability? Do they need teaching? And do do they need a Bible study? Mm -hmm. Just ask those questions. And they'll go, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And so that would be their first assignment. Figure it out. And the next time we meet, we'll talk about it. Yeah. No, that's good. Now, what if I myself am looking for a mentor? I, I, I almost find it awkward to walk up to somebody and say, will you mentor me? But that's probably yes. what you have to do, right? It is, though I have made mistakes, Rachel. Okay. I, have, I have jumped in too quickly. And I, um, I've had to back out graciously because at first I thought, oh, this person is someone I admire. Uh, and then I asked her to meet with me. And then the more she talked, I didn't like the way she uh, interpreted scripture. I didn't care for her relationship with her husband. So that was a good uh, wrong thing that I did. I just jumped in too fast. Mm. And so I caution you, if you're looking for if someone listening today, looking for a mentor relationship, just start having coffee with different women mm-hmm. and observe their relationships with their children, with their adult children with the church, with the word. And if it's something that you admire and want to be more like, that could be your mentor for just, and just say, let's meet for three months. I have a friend who just turned around in the pew after church and looked at a friend that she admired, an older woman, and said, would you mentor me? I'm struggling with a mother of, you know, being a mother of a young child. And that was my friend, Lori. And she mentored uh, Debbie and still from afar because they live in different states now. Um, she goes, okay. Because she had, my, friend, my mentor, Lori, was mentored by Elizabeth George, um, who just saw, knew that she needed to pour into younger women. And she learned a lot of great things. She's a great author, by the way. And then, and then Lori goes, wow, if I learn these things from Elizabeth, I need to be ready to pass this on to somebody else. So yes. You ask, but don't ask prematurely. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't even think about that. That's good because you do see people that you admire and you want the qualities they have. But when you get deep into it, you realize, oh, this is maybe not as great as what I thought. Now, you talk about mentorship and inviting people over to your home. I I have to think that it's a struggle nowadays for those to invite people into their home because of social media, because of HGTV and my house doesn't look like HGTV. And like you said, I'm not Martha Stewart. So how do you get over right. that? 
Well, it's all, it's all about pride. I mm. just have to name it for what it is. Yeah. When I go over those seven, 17 reasons why we don't, uh, I would say 16 out of 17 have to do with pride. And uh, I need to work on it, too. You know, I, I want the house picked up before someone's coming over. And if I'm screaming at my husband or my children saying, hey, pick this up. I just cleaned it. I just paid someone to clean this up. And now you're messing it up. That kind of ruins the whole thing, you know. Right. And so if you're yelling at your family. So um, my my sister, she's a pastor's wife and a mother of four. And she told me once, she goes, Sue, anybody can have somebody over for a bowl of ice cream. We have to get over ourselves that we have to serve, you know, a seven-course meal. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then it's not hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, this gal who heard me on another podcast, she's a pastor's wife, has seven children, lives in a small house. Uh, she told me a small house. I haven't been there yet, but she's invited me. She lives in upstate New uh, Vermont. And she said, Sue, you've gotten rid of all my excuses. And so she goes, we had two couples over this next week, and my husband went and bought four pizzas, and it wasn't enough, and there were children running everywhere, and now she's doing it all the time. So what I say... <laughs> What I say, well, I would never buy pizzas because to me they're too expensive. Right. But that's her style, yeah. you know, that's her style. Mm-hmm. And it made her less stressed. If you can think about what stresses you out about hospitality, is it the house? Is it your husband? Is it your kids not behaving? Is it the fact you don't like to cook? You don't have the money? Just ask the Lord to work on one of those things and then just say, Lord, it's really up to you. And as the doorbell rings, you just say, I could do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me all the way to the yeah. door. And then you find out the person doesn't come to see your house. They come to see you. Right. Yeah. And that's, and, the, that's um, the thing so is funny. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I just got excited. But, <laughs> but, that, <laughs> but that is something that I've noticed is that when Yeah, your house may not look like a Martha Stewart house, but those people that you are bringing in to mentor, they don't care because really they're coming for you. They're not coming Mm -hmm. for your Martha Stewart chocolate cake or whatever. It's the fact that they want Mm -hmm. to glean wisdom from you, not caring if your Mm -hmm. couch is a secondhand couch or not. So I totally, uh, I completely (laughs) get what you're saying. I'm talking with Sue Donaldson from Welcome Heart. You have a blog, you have a podcast. Tell me what inspired your your podcast. I want to go back to the second. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, (laughs) I have a six foot secondhand couch I got at the thrift store. And I thought, well, I need to replace it someday, but I'm going to wait till my dog dies because, you know, she gets black hair on it. But I can sit, I can fit six women on that couch. And, um, and you know what? One time I thought, well, I can't have anybody over because I'm going to have to sew all my Afghans together to cover my couches or, you know, just not have anybody over. And then I realized that it didn't really matter about the couch. And an older woman told me once, she goes, Sue, so just have people over at night and just uh, use candlelight and they, they won't see the dust. They won't see the dust. And that's so true. I mean, I, I don't really care about baseboards and I know other people do, but um, if they care that much about my baseboards and they don't want to come back, that's okay too. So about my podcast, I started, um, actually it's a great story. I uh, heard a friend of mine say that his mother was losing her faculties, you know? And I said, well, how old is she? And she was, I think 87. And at the time I was 66 and I thought, wow, in 20 years, I'm going to start losing my faculties. Of course, I could lose them tomorrow. But um, in my mind, I thought, you know, I don't have that much time left. I want to make sure my life counts for eternity. And so I started interviewing people just at my table, uh, friends that I admired. And I said, what do you do to make your life count for eternity? How are, what are you doing right now that will last forever? 
And let me tell you, Rachel, one thing my, my um, mentor has told me for years, whenever I ask her a question, I'll go, Lori, should I go do this? Should I do this? And she'll say, well, if you're building into people or into the word, it's of God and it lasts for eternity because God's word says that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start a podcast and ask people what they're doing right now to build into, some, into something that will last beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's been a blast. And I've just recorded a 180, my 180th um, podcast on Monday of this week. And uh, it's just been great to hear people's perspective on what they're doing now that will last for eternity. Right. And you're doing a lot of that now, not just with your mentorship and hospitality, but also with your speaking engagements and the fact that you've written books because those books will, you know, those will last forever. Your kids will always have Mm -hmm. those when you're long and gone. And Mm -hmm. that's a great way to Mm -hmm. leave a lasting legacy. Mm -hmm. Sue Donaldson of uh, Welcome Heart, Changing the World, One Cup of Coffee at a Time. And I love that you added Mm -hmm. Tea Works too, because I'm a tea drinker. You are, uh, Mm -hmm. you can find Sue on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and and Pinterest, and I'm going to include your website and your books and your podcast in the show notes, but you've also wanted to include a free resource, so tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I found that um, when people hear me speak on hospitality, there's one of the, re- they resist it for all sorts of reasons, and we've discussed some of them, mm-hmm. but they may they may just uh, not have a hospitable heart, so I I'm giving a free printable that is a prayer for a hospitable heart. Because we start with prayer, right? Mm-hmm. With anything we're doing for God, like I, I prayed about our conversation today, we might as well ask God to bless it because that's what will make it last for eternity. Right. And so, so it's a prayer for a hospitable heart plus a real simple recipe. Oh, I want to give you a hospitality tip for anybody listening today. And wants just one tip. And I got this from another friend. She said to me, Sue, choose one thing uh, to cook that you're re- or bake. That, you're, that you like and that's simple and that you're really good at and you could serve the same thing every time. That's true. And so she's, she's really great at biscuits. So her name is Allie Cleese. And actually, I have a podcast on Monday Night Dinners with the Cleese. But her, her, her um, biscuit recipe, it's all about biscuits. And her biscuit recipe is on my website, Allie's Biscuits. And they're simple. And if you just make one thing, then you have confidence. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, the idea, the idea is not to have so much confidence that you're proud. The idea is if you have confidence, then guess what? Your focus is on your guests. Yeah. If you're afraid and you're prideful, that means the focus is on yourself and that's entertaining. So if you can just be good at one one little thing, and now I can't again remember the question. (laughs) Oh, oh yes. There's an easy recipe and I got it from a a mystery series where the uh, detective was a good cook. And so I, I copied the recipe, and that's in there. It's, I think it's called chicken satay, and it's really easy. And then I also provide four worksheets that are from my book that you can get for free, normally four bucks a piece. You know, that's funny that you mentioned the the cook the one thing. I work for a radio station, and we have this woman that comes in uh, all the time. We call her Cinnamon Roll Judy because Ooh, she always brings cinnamon that. rolls. She just comes in. Yeah. She has, she's very gifted like you are in the area of hospitality, but that's just like, that's what she's known for is the cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. And that's what she does. But I like that mm-hmm. idea because I think there is that stress of, I have to make so many different things and I have to be good in so many areas. But if you, less is mm-hmm. more, if you just focus on the one, then oh, you're able, totally. then you're able to do more in a sense. Yeah, well, be- absolutely. Before we go today, is there any last words of wisdom 
that you would like to discuss as far as mentorship and hospitality? Well, um, actually, on my podcast this week, I talk about why um, why my website is called Welcome Heart, and it started in 2008 because I thought, well, the main reason we invite somebody over is because God invited us. And so if we can um, maybe introduce someone to God's welcoming heart at our table, that can be the most important part of our day, week, year, or life. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like mm-hmm. that. So. People think people are afraid of committing their lives to God, or, or maybe they're afraid of going to church. I and our pastor was saying at Easter time, well, make sure you uh, invite people to the Easter service. Well, yeah, you want to do that. And so I thought, wow, I invited my neighbor, who's a widower, by the way. I invited him for Easter brunch, but I didn't invite him to church. So I texted him. I said, hey, John, I neglected to invite you to church. Would you like to come before you come for brunch? And you know what he said? No, thanks. I'll see you at brunch. Right. He's not ready, mm-hmm. but he'll he'll come to our house. And guess what? He came for Christmas Eve this year mm-hmm. because he's all by himself. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to trust God for the salvation aspect. Mm-hmm. We don't save people. Any, we don't save people, Rachel. You know that. Right. But we give we give them the opportunity to rub against someone who knows Jesus so that they will feel the love of God. Right. And it was Jesus that went from house to house practicing the hospitality, washing people's feet. That was was really what was bringing people to him. Well, Sue, thank you so much for being here today and really sharing your wisdom. Again, I will put your podcast as well as your books and everything in the show notes and that free resource so everybody can go ahead and click on those and learn more about hospitality and mentorship and its importance. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. I am thankful for Sue and sharing her wisdom and her experience. Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples. Mentorship is a part of that. And if you would like to learn more of how you can be a better mentor, I have all of Sue's information in the show notes as well as a free mentoring packet just for you. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next week.